Okay, so this is the first episode of the Freestyle and Life and Swim podcast. Uh, our first guest was David Rue. Uh, David is a coach uh, at Boyertown YMCA. He came to the area from State College, where he coached at Nittany Line Aquatic Club and State College area YMCA. Uh, Dave had the privilege of working with several great coaches and swimmers um, in State College, um, particularly Matt Brownstead, who is a national high school record holder in the 50 freestyle. Uh, he just set that record this year at uh, Pennsylvania High School State Championships. Dave and I had a really great conversation, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you guys. So I really hope you enjoy. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Freestyle Life and Swim podcast. Uh, I'm Anthony Adelsberger. I'm here with David Rue from Boyertown YMCA. Dave, what's up? How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Anthony. It's good to see you during this lockdown. Yeah, man. It's uh, crazy times we live in. How, how, are you, uh, how are you holding up? I've been doing pretty well, all things considered. Um, I tried to settle into a routine for myself. You know, the first couple days when they started shutting everything down I think we were all kind of you know in that what's going on mode but now you know I've settled into the routine you know getting up at a reasonable hour in the morning getting some exercise in whether that's running biking maybe some core flexibility exercises body weight exercises Uh, then I do a lot of schoolwork during the day I'm a grad student at uh, Lehigh University. Uh, we still have our classes online via Zoom, so I've been keeping busy with that. Um, other than that, you know, just kind of keeping up with how the swimming world's doing. I know we're all kind of in the same boat right now, shut down and everything, but you know, trying to do the best that I can to keep up to date with everything that's going on. Yeah, man, that uh, sounds pretty similar to what most of us are probably doing, just trying to find a way to adapt to life and be productive yeah. and, you know, make good use of our time. And, you know, for me, trying to spend more, more time with my, my wife and kids and developing those connections and strengthening those relationships. So it's not all bad. Um, I think we just need to look for the positives in it. I mean, is there anything like for you personally positive that has come out of this? I'd say I would agree with you 100% on family time. I've Went home, uh, my parents' house. Uh, they live down in Bucks County, just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, it's been the most time that I've spent with them and my younger brother, like consecutively, in a long time, years since I had gone off to college as an undergrad and had been on my own working, you know, in the real world or undergrad, grad school, you name it. It's been probably seven years since I've spent this much time consecutively at home with them, which has been really nice. That's awesome. Have you, uh, have you had any time to uh, dig into the sport of swimming at all? Follow, follow anybody on uh, Twitter or, or gain any new insights or thoughts on the, uh, on the sport? So as you, uh, we both know him well, but John Nelson's done a really, really nice job with 
kicking off uh, a regimen for his kids to be doing at the York YMCA. John's been the head coach at York for uh, about four years now. And I definitely am learning a lot from what he's doing now. I've been learning a lot from him over the years. And I think the regimen that he has with his kids, what they're doing, even without access to pool time right now, has been really, really solid. I've been keeping up with what they're doing. So you've been following, like, his workouts and his practices and just yeah. kind of, you know, what, what do you think um, – what do you think about what they're doing over there and, you know, how it's helping what, um, how it's helping their swimmers get better? I think what they're doing a good job of is that they're working the physical side, you know, by, you know, doing a certain amount of cardio each day. They're not overdoing the cardio. I think usually 20 to 30 minutes is about what they've been doing as far as I can tell. It's, I think I would agree with that amount, at least to start out, um, whether that's running or biking, or maybe if you have an elliptical machine at home, that's another option. And then you're also looking at stroke technique videos. So that's the second side to the triangle that I think about, you know, you will have the physical side of, uh, preparation and swimming then you have the technical side so they're looking at how the best swim what kind of technique the best swimmers in the world have um, I think that it's definitely helps in uh, seeing how it's done it helps you actually implement that and do it yourself when you are able to get back into the pool and the third side is you know, the mental preparation and I think that the fact that they're uh, Kids are all meeting together on Zoom, staying connected through social media and other outlets. I think that that's an important thing as well during this, you know, difficult time in our lives, making sure that we're connected with people in a responsible way that we're socially distanced, but still staying connected. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, are you guys doing anything with your team? Are you involved in any way with the Boyertown Swimmers? We're trying to put together a regimen at the moment you know this kind of all hit us like a train at first and i think it, it's taking a little bit of time to regroup and get things together but the goal is to uh, give them you know some organized uh dry land workouts and some technique videos to look at i don't know if we'll be able to put together zoom meetings or not but i i would like to I uh, get some dry land workouts and some technique videos out to them in the coming days and weeks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. It would be nice to, uh, I mean, for us, we, we've, we've done one zoom meeting so far. We're having another one tonight and it's just good to see the kids and connect with them and, you know, mm -hmm. get a feel for how they're doing and just kind of all get back in the same space and remember like, Hey guys, you know, this is, you know, this is, who we are, you know, we, we've kind of lost that connection with each other um, on a daily basis, which is tough to just go from seeing a group of people every day and working hard together every day to get better and, you know, developing characteristics and qualities with each other and sharing that group kind of togetherness and you lose that. And, you know, Zoom certainly can't replace it. It's just not the same as being you know, together. Um, but it's something and it gives us a reminder of like, Hey, you know, we're working towards something. 
Um, we've been working towards something. We've got like a little hiatus right now, but at some point our lives are going to resume. You know, at some point we're going to get back to what we were doing before, what we were passionate about doing. And, um, you know, while we're, while we're not doing it right now, at least we can, we can see each other sometimes and talk to each other sometimes and remember, um, you know, where we came from and where we're planning to go. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard for me to see so many kids that like, you know, they had goals and they were chasing after them and they were doing a great job. And, you know, they were, in my mind, going to perform really well at their championship meet at the end of the season. And most of them didn't get that. Most of them at championship meet either would have been Y States or Y Nationals. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's tough. And we, we lost it this year, but I think, you know, just looking at trying to figure out a way to, to take the positive and say, okay, you know, we're not, not completely, you know, done forever. We just lost some time now and we're going to lose some time, you know, over the next month or two, but eventually it's going to come back and eventually we're going to be able to do bigger and better things. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest takeaway that I got was from one of our coaches here at work, um, Rob Onroo. I was talking with him about a week ago and he said that the message that he sent me that really stuck with me is that, I think we're all going to really appreciate the little things like just walking into a cold deck and showing up for a random practice in the middle of the season once this is all over. You know, those are things that we might have taken for granted in the past, but I don't think we're going to be taking those kinds of things for granted anymore once this is all past and we can establish a decent sense of normalcy again. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I hear you. So, um, you know, Dave, a little, a little bit about you and your background. I mean, you were in State College for a while, and you were with Finney Line Aquatic Club and then um, State College Area YMCA, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, I coached uh, in State College uh, starting from uh, the tail end of my undergraduate time there. So when I was a junior and senior in college there, I got into coaching at uh, Nittany Lion Aquatic Club, which might be known in Middle Atlantic as NLAC. Uh, Ryan Sprang was the head coach at NLAC at the time. Uh, he's now the head coach at Greater Philadelphia Aquatic Club, GPAC, down in South Jersey. Um, I learned a ton of things from him. He's one of the best swimming minds, best coaches that I've ever come across in sport of swimming or really anywhere like he's he's taught me a, a lot of really good things but before I met him the age group coach at NLAC was actually one of my coaches growing up he had been living down in Bucks County and then moved up to State College you know, after um, I was in high school and had moved on he also moved up to State College and that's how I found out about NLAC and got involved in NLAC. Then he moved away. Ryan moved away. Um, I had some colleagues and connections at the State College Y and decided to make the change to go to the Y. And I'll be honest, I don't think I could ever go back to coaching on the Y team just because I think that if you do coaching in, or if you – um, build a swim team the right way and within the YMCA system, I don't think there's anything that can match it. You, know, you have access to 
all of the YMCA competitions. So that's, you know, dual meets, which are, you know, if they're conducted the right way, they're good outlets for local competition. And you have Y district states, nationals in Pennsylvania. I think those are good outlets for uh, our swimmers to compete in all the national level kids are competing in Y districts. And Y nationals is probably the, one of the biggest reasons why I love YMCA swimming because I don't I've never come across a meet that compares to Y nationals in terms of number of events you can swim, both individual and relay. You can have nine events between individual events and relays. You can have four time trials. So say you only ended up with one individual cut, you can still time trial four other events and it gives you, you know, a pretty sizable event load for the meet. And it's spread across a whole week and it's conducted at what I think is one of, if not the best uh, aquatic facility in the country down at the Greensboro Aquatic Center in Greensboro. And all that with YMCA, you also have access to all the USA competition as well, which, you know, USA teams, I think USA swimming is uh, a very important aspect in developing our athletes because they're, exposed to um you know a larger group of you know a larger group of swimmers in terms of who they're competing against uh with that larger group you tend to end up with a greater volume of stronger swimmers to compete against you also have longer events that you have access to so 11 12 year olds have access to 200s of stroke um 10 and unders always have access to the 200 free, 500 free, et cetera. Um, so I think that you can find that right mix and combination of implementing YMCA competition, USA competition. You really can't beat what we have with the lot of teams that we have here. Yeah, yeah, good, good point. So you mentioned um, something earlier I want to get back to. You said um, – you, know, you work with uh, Ryan Sprang, who you consider, you know, be one of the best coaches, you know, that you've come in contact with. What, what made him or makes him such a great coach? I mean, you know, for those of you guys who are listening, uh, Ryan Sprang was a New Lion Aquatic Club head coach. He now is the Greater Philadelphia Aquatic Club head coach, um, GPAC, who trains at GCIT. Um, what, what do you think makes him go? What makes him tick? Why has, is he such a, a strong coach? With Ryan, he has um, a very strong personality, and I mean that in the best way possible. He demands the best out, out of his swimmers. He demands excellence. He has very high expectations. But with those expectations, he gives you the perfect roadmap and building blocks in order to achieve those big goals that you're looking to set out and get. Um, you know, he's a big believer in – you know, aerobic volume, aerobic development, like would probably average, you know, seven to 8,000 meters in a short course meter practice in the middle of the winter season, uh, depending on what they were doing. Sometimes it was maybe a little bit less if we were racing. Um, and uh, he's also um, a good developer of technique, especially amongst the age groupers. Um, especially with breaststroke. I think that his track record with breaststroke is uh, something that impresses me the most about him. But uh, I think from strictly, you know, 
X's and O's, like he prepares his kids well aerobically. They're also, and so that when they're ready, when they show up to a meet, they're, you know, ready to knock it out of the park and races like 200 free, 200 IM, 500 free, 400 IM. But they're also, when you're prepared aerobically and you still have opportunities to swim fast and practice, you're still going to see results in the 1500 as well. If you prepare, for those longer events, you're also going to be prepared for the 1500. Whereas if you only prepare for the 1500, you might swim well in those events, but you're not gonna have the preparation to perform in those longer events. And that's something that he always preached was that we would develop the best all around swimmers possible. All our kids would swim in the 500 free by the time they were 12. They'd all swim in the 400 IM by the time they were 14. You know, even if you weren't a stud 500 freestyler or 400 IM, or you were still swimming those events, you know, all the way up, even when you're an upperclassman in high school, you didn't necessarily have to do the 400 IM at your rest meet in December, but he was a proponent of you swimming every single competitive event over the course of the season. So he would work on developing a well-rounded swimmer, expose them to different type of events, different type of situations and competition, you know, not ever letting them get, you know, completely comfortable with, with something, at least as a, as a 14 under athlete, right? Maybe yeah. as they grow and, and kind of get a little older and more developed, maybe you specialize a little bit more type of deal as a mm -hmm. 16, 17, 18 year old. But as an age grouper, they're kind of being exposed to all this stuff. And he, I mean, I don't know Ryan particularly well, but even I think like, you know, you know, kids who are specializing when they're a little bit older still need that exposure to different events, you know, during the course of the season, just to kind of keep things fresh and not too monotonous, especially with high school swimming involved. But a lot of times they're swimming like the same events, you know, every yeah. single meet, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you said about, um, about Ryan, which I thought was, was interesting was, um, just like his, his knowledge of the sport and, and the technical aspects, particularly breaststroke. Are there any insights you can share, um, regarding like, you know, that element of his training? So I think this, the biggest line that I've ever taken away from him with breaststroke is that you're dealing with the most resistance in that stroke off the back compared to any of the other four competitive strokes. The key is minimizing that resistance and maximizing propulsion, which is true for all the strokes, but even more so for breaststroke, I'd say, just because you're dealing with so much resistance. And with that maximizing propulsion, the majority of your propulsion is going to come out of your legs, come out of your kick. Really, your upper body and your arms, you're just putting them in a position that, that you can minimize as much resistance as possible. Um, you're not really pulling yourself forward with your arms at all and breaststroke the way you are with all the other with the other three competitive strokes. It really comes out of how good of a breaststroke you have. And he had, Drills that I thought did a really good job with that. Like you would isolate one leg, you would work on bringing, you know, your heel up to your butt and turning your ankle out. And then that whip phase of the kick, you'd break down those three phases. You'd do one leg at a time. 
you do distance per kick, and then that would build into distance per stroke. Um, he also, with the breaststroke pull, uh, had some good ideas with sculling, like you would do out sweep skull where your hands and arms are out extended in front of you, an in sweep skull where they're up in towards your body, but you're keep, keeping your elbows nice and high in the water. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but he... Yeah, you, I mean, sorry to cut you off, but you said he did a lot of, like, A-beater beater kicking as well, right? Which I think... Yeah, kind of yeah that's that's what I was referring to. The kind of developed... beater kicking. Yeah, with the one-leg one stuff, like, to develop the feel and, you know, whatnot needed to really grab a hold of the water with the, mm -hmm. the inside of the ankle and the inside of the, inside of the foot and the inside of the leg. Yeah. Um, what, what... Weren't you telling me he did, like, uh, there were, like, I don't know. He had like some meet where he had like the top four of the top some swimmers or. Yeah. So his last year that he was in state college. So he also coached the state college high school team. Right. Right. Um, and they all they swam for NLAC, right? It was like they right. trained with the NLAC club and then they competed for state college. And he, you know, just kind of used them mm -hmm. at that club as a training place for the state college high school. Yeah. Um, I'd actually say that it was, he would actually, just because our pool space at NLAC was limited, he a lot of times would actually just have the NLAC kids swim at State College High School. Um, but they, it was usually the same practice they were doing right. anyway. Um, but um, his last year in State College, which was Matt Brownstead's freshman year, which we'll get into a little bit later, but his last year in State College – he had four boys that were – remember, this is a high school high school swim team. Four boys that were under a minute in the 100 breaststroke. It was Mikey Chalice, Ben Gainer, Foster Heasley, and Jordan Hillsley. They were all – not only were they all under 15 – or under a minute, I think they were all under 59 as well. They were all 58 or faster. Which yeah. Is, stupid fast for breaststroke at the high school level. But, I mean, it's one thing to have one kid that can break a minute, but having four on the same high school team all placing top 16 was insane. Yeah, I mean, it sounds similar to the Phoenixville YMCA swim team uh, boys, right? We have, I think, uh, our fastest male breaststroker went like 103 this year as a 14-year-old. So that's at least good because our 14, 14 under kids are, are raring to go. Um, and I think that that, that kid might have gone even faster at states had he had the chance. So, but uh, that's uh, that's our fastest male breaststroker as a one hundred three. Um, but he's fourteen. So next year, next year I'm looking for under under a minute from him or something like that. No pressure, Davis. Uh, you know we'll we'll keep it keep it simple, Davis. Uh, any, anything anything faster than one hundred three will be good next year, buddy. Don't worry. No pressure. Uh, you just keep doing you. You'll be fine. Um, so anyway, um, what what else was I saying? Oh yeah. So the other cool thing I think is like you mentioned um aerobically like training for the longer distances you know not necessarily the mile but the 200 the 500 you know 400 im um you know gives you the range to kind of go up or down whereas like training for the shorter distances um you don't develop that range um and i think like a lot of people would say well that's true for age groupers but it's not necessarily true for you know more elite athletes who need to focus on sprinting and whatnot if they're sprinters and i would agree with that Definitely, um, as kids get older, they need to specialize a little bit more. But I mean, even if you look at like NC State and the University of Florida, I mean, they're they're two of the the few schools whose 
swimmers can do the 50, 100, and 200 well in short course. And they're, those teams are like top, always top three or four, generally speaking, on, on the men's side in, in the relays at NCAA in the 200, 400, and 800 free relays. Most teams, most swimmers just don't have that range. And it's funny because they also have like the two best, or at least had until they recently graduated, the two best sprinters in the country, which were Ryan Held and uh, Caleb Dressel. And um, when you look at Held's training, he's a very good long course, 100 freestyler, made the Olympics in 2016, was on the relay um, in the finals with Caleb Dressel and Michael Phelps and Nathan Adrian that won the gold medal in 2016 in Rio. And um, obviously we all know Dressel is, is amazing, I think. You know, a lot of people would have taken him and just turned him into a 50 freestyler, 100 freestyler. But you look at like what Greg Troy has done with him and that, that guy's going, you know, 156 long course, 200 flies in season, you know, posting like top five times in, in the country and in, in these events where you just need crazy aerobic capacity um, to do well in. So I think, um, I think, you know, worst case is if you're looking at elite swimmers, aerobic capacity and developing, you know, a little bit more of that certainly isn't hurting their sprinting, right? I mean, we wouldn't argue that dressing sprinting is being hurt. He's going 17-6 in a short course 50 freestyle um, and 21-0 or whatever in a long course. And, um, and it's helping him. It might even, in, in best case scenario, it's actually helping him, which um, I think is probably the case, especially if you look in the long course events, the 100 freestyle, um, if he ever wants to develop 200 free in long course and beyond that, the 800 free relay to try to chase after Phelps's records or whatever and you need that aerobic development um for for all levels not just for age groupers um so anyway you, yeah you mentioned um you mentioned matt brown said i think it's interesting you, you you we talk about sprinters you had a chance to coach maybe the best high school sprinter in the country i don't has anyone gone fat you broke the national high school record right um yes. so he's the best high school sprinter ever and you coached him. um that's pretty cool like how long did you coach him um, were you ever like responsible for his training? Um, and, and what was that like? So Ryan left. So Ryan Sprines last year was Matt's freshman year. Uh, and, you know, to go off what we were talking about with aerobic training and development versus anaerobic sprint development, uh, you'll be interested to know that Ryan did not, I'm backtracking a little bit, but I think it's important to know that Ryan did not have Matt Brownstead train in the sprint group or specialize in sprinting at all his freshman year. And yet he still went a 20.5 in the 50 free and a 45.5, I believe, in the 100 free or maybe 45. I think 45.5, yeah. As a, as a high school freshman. Yeah. As a high school freshman, yeah. as a fourteen-year-old, he was a true fourteen-year-old. So he went twenty point five as a fourteen-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And that was still making the effort to develop him into the best all-around swimmer possible through aerobic development. While you know, he we would still do you know a day or a practice or two a week where we'd go off the blocks and swim fast and then you obviously with high school you have all those bull meets for your race right. racing too um but uh, the focus was definitely on developing him aerobically and then ryan uh took the job at gpac after matt's freshman year um i was involved i'd say i collaborated with um 
Aaron Workman and Matthew Horner over the next couple of years. They're both still coaches in State College now. Um, I'd say that I think that we – and also uh, Andy Morrison, who's now the State College high school coach who moved to the area a couple of years ago. Um, I'd say uh, as a group effort between all of us, I think that we did a good job in continuing to help Matt develop uh, into the swimmer that he is now. He didn't peak at age 14, which is something that we never want to see in our athletes. We want to see them. You know, it's good to see kids and athletes can achieve at a high level when they're 12, <clears throat> 12 or 14. But, you know, obviously the goal is to have them continue to develop and improve, you know, all the way up through high school and then even continue to improve in college as well. But I, I personally was uh, responsible for his training probably the most in his junior year when we were both at the State College Y. Um, Joel Blush is another uh, coach I should mention. It's been a bit of a coaching carousel in State College, if you haven't noticed. But um, Joel Blush was the head coach at the State College line. Uh, he was a good, really good, is a really good dude and uh, gave me um, a lot of say and uh, opportunities to contribute as to what the senior groups were doing. Yeah. What? I'd say that his junior year was where I was most responsible for Matt's training, especially gotcha. uh, early, early, in, like from uh, the fall season through to the pit meet. And then, you know, he did predominantly high school, you know, January, February, but then uh, came back after the uh, high school was done in March and then trained, trained with us again from, uh, end of April, beginning of May, all through the summer. And that's Matthew Horner. Um, he and I collaborated with his training last summer. And I said, if you ask me, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about what Matt's done as a high school swimmer, and he's done some amazing things, things that have never been done before. But I think one of the coolest things that Matt's achieved is that last summer he went out to the Phillips 66 uh, national meet out in uh, Stanford, California last August. Uh, bummer was that is the same week as uh, Long Course Y long Nationals. Course national, yeah. Yeah, choose that meet over Long Course Y Nationals, but it was an amazing opportunity for him. He uh, got Olympic trial cuts in the 1500 free at that meet, and his 100 freestyle, not his 50 mile, but his 100 freestyle is what actually qualified him for the uh, USA World Junior team that they had their World Junior Championship meet in uh, Budapest, Hungary last August. So that's probably what the meet that I would highlight as one of Matt's best meets. That and his high school state meet that uh, just wrapped up a couple weeks ago where he set the national high school record in the 50 and which was a Caleb Dressel record, by the way. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's cool. Um, so the the hundred free long course. Uh, there you go with your with your aerobic development, man. That's um, that is that's awesome. So he made the world the world uh, junior championships. He yep. went to Budapest, Hungary, got to compete there, and um, you know, came back this season and just lit it up. I mean, what he split he split like eighteen six off a really yeah, he, start for a high schooler. Eight, 
1867 yeah. play start. And keep in mind that the 1718 age group record is Caleb Dressel's was in 1867, and that was at the end of Caleb Dressel's freshman year. Freshman year in college, yeah. And Matt so Brown will be, has a chance to do that. Yeah, Matt will be a true 18-year-old through his entire freshman season. He's going to yeah. be coming for Todd DeSorbo down at UVA. Um, I I think he's going to be able. I think he's going to get. It. I think he's going to get that 1867 by the end of next season. Well, well, well you're on the record now, Dave. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but he's definitely got a chance. Um, definitely with the Sorbo trading him as well. That's going to be a good pairing. Yeah. Um, what uh? What what about Brownstead? Like, did, like what what makes him go? What kind of enables him to swim so fast? I mean, you got a lot of fast kids out in the country. Um, but no one's ever been as, as strong as he has, at least not as a 17-year-old high school swimmer. So what, what, what makes him go? What's special about him? I'd say that the biggest thing with Matt, you know, he's he's a tall kid, but he I'd say he's probably about six feet. I mean, I never measured him, but six feet, six one. So he's got decent height. But the thing with Matt is that he is as strong as an ox, and he's – a ton of surface area to work with and pull with with his arm and also has really, really strong legs. Um, if you watch any of his races, like on a 50 freestyle, he can take off the block and dolphin kick to the 15-meter mark and be a half a body length ahead of everyone off that start. You know, the start and the turn are really what make him click in, in the short course 50 freestyle. They're, I think they're what those two aspects are what won him the uh, Y National Championship in the 50 last um, last year against David Curtis. And David Curtis is another tremendous 50 freestyler, and they might have been pretty evenly matched in terms of swimming flag to flag, but where Matt won that race was his dolphin kicking and breakouts off the start and off the turn. Um, I think in terms of practice, you know, what – Matt, what sets apart Matt from a lot of other kids is that he's willing to race hard and practice. Like I distinctly remember him swimming, you know, nine second points in the 25s from a dive, 21s and 50s from a dive in the middle of a, a racing set, 25s on 200 goal pace, you know, finishing with the flip at the end of each 50. Um, swimming fast and practices something that's really, really important. You know, we've talked a lot about how important aerobic development is, but it's also important to swim the speed in practice that you want to swim at at a meet. And it's up to us coaches for giving the kids opportunities to do that in their practices, but the kids also have to deliver and swim that speed that they want to swim at in practice. So that's, I'd say that's something from a training standpoint that set Matt apart. Um, and then I think that he really realized how good he could be, you know, once he got to high school and saw that he was setting records left and right. And then uh, he hit a little bit of a plateau in his sophomore year, but then junior year he was, you know, on fire. You know, wasn't even a contest winning the 50. Like we all knew who was going to win the 50 free at the NCAA state meet. Um, and then you saw, well, go, hark back to that aerobic development again. 
in the 100 free last year was him, Matt, the 50 champion against Jack Wright from North Allegheny, the 200 freestyle champion. You saw on that race that Jack Wright was actually out a couple hundredths of a second faster and Matt actually had the better back half on that race and won that race by a nose. I'm really bummed that we didn't get finals for AAA this year because I would have been curious to see Matt go up against um, Benson from Upper Dublin and Chris Giuliano from Daniel Boone because they're both tremendous. Giuliano won the 200 freestyle at the high school state meet, and then Jensen's a tremendous swimmer as well. Um, would have been a good race on that 100 finals, but um, yeah, so I, I agree. I think it would have been you know an awesome race to see those guys. Maybe we would have seen some 42s out of somebody, yeah. uh, 42 out of somebody, but um, you know, this life in the corona coronavirus world, COVID 19, um, it sucks. Yeah. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier, I think. Said Matt's strong as an ox. I mean, there's a lot of kids who are super strong, like really, really strong. You can't swim like he can. Um, you, you don't dolphin kick like he can. Like, what what enables him to apply that strength to swimming? I think that something that at least I tried to stress um, was the amount of strokes that he was taking per lap. Um, you know, in practice, you know, he could. Doing distance per stroke, I mean, he could get across the pole in less than 10 strokes easy. If you, if you even look at his uh, 50 race from high school states at finals, he gets down to the pool off the start in nine strokes and then comes back in 14 strokes. And this was with a tempo that was a little bit under a second uh, per stroke cycle, which yeah. is a little bit faster than what we're looking for in a 50. You know, I think he, even he's fallible on that. Sometimes he might spin his wheels just a hair, but think about the fact that he has that kind of tempo going and he can still get across the pool and nine strokes off the dive. I think stressing that distance per stroke in practice and develop, he, you know, he already had such physical gifts in terms of the amount of water that he can pull. Uh, you know, such a, you know, has big hands, big feet, and really, really strong, wide forearms, strong shoulders, you know, really strong arms in general, grabbing a ton of water from his fingertips all the way up to his upper arm. And then, you know, I think that the fact that he can get across the pool and that number of strokes, swimming distance per stroke in practice and also racing at a meet and that number of strokes, I think is something that's... Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like, you know, there are tons of kids out there who do distance per stroke work and, you know, feel oriented work and high elbow catch work who, you know, don't swim like, you know, Matt Brown said, or can't swim as fast as he can. Obviously there's definitely some physical skills there. Yeah. Um, you know, he's an elite athlete, um, genetically, obviously very, very gifted. Um, you know, did you guys do anything to help him develop those skills, like those distance per stroke skills? Um, you know, his high elbow catch and pull, or were those just things that came naturally and um, didn't really involve a lot of work or effort or attention to? I think that it was probably, I'd say it was a two-way street. You know, I think that we worked a lot on, you know, all his coaches he's had over the years, not just me. I'm certainly not going to take sole credit for what he's done. It's been 
the effort of a lot of different coaches over the years and effort from Matt himself. Um, but stressing the fact that he can get across the pole and that number of strokes and the fact that he's a tremendous golf figure. That's another thing that Ryan and all us coaches in State College were a big proponent of was uh, working dolphin kicking in general, but also dolphin kicking in practice. Um, you know, stressing strong upbeats and downbeats. I think that, you know, it's really with developing swimmers, it's try to think of things that are creative and out of the box. Um, but sometimes less is more and keeping things relatively simple is a good way to go, especially when you have, you know, someone that's as gifted physically as Matt. Like, um, I can do these same things with you know, other kids and, it's going to get, you know, a 22.50 freestyle or a 21.50 freestyle out of them. And really solid, solid for boys are solid times in the 50 freestyle. But to get from that 21 to that 19 low, there are things that, you, I'll be honest, you just flat out can't teach. You know, it's all around the physical gifts that Matt has that he's born, he was born with. Yeah, I think probably that's, you know, the, the elite genetics and athleticism, I think you see that a lot in like the shorter distances where it's just like, listen, like some point, you know, you just can't teach some of this stuff. And, and certainly you can control the process and you can get kids to swim really fast who maybe don't have the same physical gifts as other kids. But I think the cool thing about swimming is like, there's an event for everybody, right? Like even yeah. if you don't have elite genetics or elite DNA, like you can see, still be a world-class 400 IM or you can still be yeah. a world-class, you know, 200 flyer. If, if, if you're, if you're willing to do the work and develop the skill set necessary. Now, certainly you still need to have elite talent and elite gifts to become world-class in anything. But, um, you know, you don't need to necessarily have like elite athleticism or elite, like, you know, genetics or, or things things like that where you've got, you know, some people are only capable of swimming so fast. And, you know, if you look at it, like Matt Brown said, he's obviously capable of swimming faster than almost any human being on the planet, you know, at least in his age group. Um, but like there are a lot of kids who maybe not, don't have that top end speed who could be really, really great the other strokes and distances if they focus on that. And then I, that I just despise about, um, some age group programs or age group swimming in general, if you look at some of the more mediocre teams, they just, they just push all their kids to the shorter events because that's just what everybody likes to do and it's easier. Just like yeah. so many kids who are just missing opportunities where they could be good and these other strokes and other distances. Like no one's good at the 200 fly the first time they swim it. Like no one is good at the 400 IM or the 500 the first time they swim it. Like very few people, I should say. Um, it's like you have to practice these events and work on them to develop the aptitude to be able to know if you could be good at them or not and i just think there's just tons of missed opportunities in age group swimming because you know kids are never pushed in a certain direction where you know like they might actually be capable of becoming elite at these events that you need more practice and time you know swimming to actually know if you're good at could be good at them um you know to build upon that i'd say that it's a shame in that if you have someone that might not necessarily be you know maybe they're a late bloomer physically at age 11 or 12 or you know they don't have the height or the reach that uh, some other kids do that are the same age 
the 50 freestyle or 50s a stroke, it favors the kids that have those, you know, God-given genetic abilities, those physical gifts. And I think that if we only make 50s and, say, 100 freestyle available to them, those kids are going to get turned off and turned away from the sport really quickly because they're exposed to opportunities where they're able to excel. Like, it really, it doesn't, at, especially at the age group level, it really doesn't matter how tall you are uh, to be, you know, a good 200 IM or a good 200 breaststroker. Um, yeah. That matters a little bit more with the sprints, but I'd say height and physical ability matters less and less the longer the event gets and there's more emphasis and uh, building blocks around how you train and how much you're training as to how well you're going to perform at those longer events even at the age group level right which gives you more control over the process right because there's things that you can't teach you can't control you mentioned that the gifts that matt brown said has you just there's not much you can do to to change that and Matt Brown says, you know, one in a million or, or maybe one in a hundred million, even like you just can't like expect and hope that every kid that walks on your door is going to be a Matt Brown said you might go your entire life coaching and never have someone like that walk through your door. And as a, as a swimmer, you know, on the other side of it, you can't expect that you're going to be that one in a million or one in a hundred million type of athlete. So it totally makes sense to try to control as much of the process as you can. And I think even if you're looking at those elite athletes, the better they control the process, the better they do. I think that's kind of what separates someone like, you know, a guy like Michael Phelps from, you know, other swimmers who maybe never quite reached his level, but had the similar physical skill set that he did. Certainly Michael Phelps was, was maybe the most gifted or one of the most gifted swimmers of all time. But, you know, even like if you look at like the NBA or Michael Jordan, it's like, you know, the people who are the greatest of all time, you know, what separates them certainly is the physical skill set was Michael Jordan the most physically gifted NBA player ever? Probably not. Was he one of them? Certainly. Um, just like Michael Phelps, was he one of the most, was he the most physically gifted swimmer ever? I, I don't know. Probably, probably not. Um, but did he do the most with his skill set? Um, and was he one of the most physically gifted ever? Yes. And then what, what he did well is he just controlled the process so well. And um, I think that's universal to all athletes. Like you reach your full potential if you control the process the best you can. And if you don't do that, um, you're, you're, you're short selling yourself more than anyone else. You're, you're shortchanging yourself. So yeah, I think that's interesting. I think like for me, one of the most fun things as a coach is seeing kids just do things they never thought they could do. They work really hard. It, it takes like months, sometimes even years to develop a skill set that is kind of conducive to high performance. And you know, all of a sudden you see a kid, he's been working hard and it's been discouraged or frustrated because they're just not swimming as fast as they want. All of a sudden have that breakout meet where they just start wrecking their best times and just crushing what they expected themselves to do. And you just get that smile and just think, man, like everything here, all the work we've done, it's worth it. Like that to me is the most fun part of age group coaching is to see like that light at the end of that tunnel. And sometimes it's the end of that really long tunnel. But then once you get there, it's, it's just like, okay, we're here now and let's go and see what else can happen. And um, it's hard It's hard to teach kids to, to kind of be patient and trust the process because um, you really do have to wait for it. It's, it is in swimming, it is a, it is a long tunnel. And um, a lot of kids, they just never ever 
take the steps necessary to reach the end of that tunnel and, and see their true potential. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, well, cool, man. It's been it's been good talking to you. Um, do you have any anything else to add, or or any any other insights or thoughts before we uh before we head out? Um, I, I'm just appreciative of the fact that you, know, you were able to bring me on here for your podcast. I think that you know, for those of you that don't know, uh, Boyertown and Phoenixville um, are relatively close. I'd say half hour, forty minutes apart, and you have a we're in the same uh, YMCA league and have a bowl meeting against each other. So I get to see Anthony a lot. And you know, we, we've uh, definitely been able to bounce some good ideas off each other and uh, make both of our programs better as a result. And I appreciate the time being able to talk with you here. All right, Dave. Thank you. Uh, take care. Uh, stay healthy. And um, I look forward to seeing you back on the pool deck as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, you as well, Anthony. Take care. All right, man. Thanks.